difficult people. Just the phrase probably brings, you know, one, two, or three, if you're unlucky, people's names to mind, right? We all encounter difficult people. Now, last week's sermon was about loving the disenfranchised of our society, the the people that are seen as second-class citizens. And as I thought about it this week, the application of that probably wasn't very difficult for you uh, because if you're not a person who, who genuinely reaches out to the disenfranchised, then you're probably... Uh, not around them very often. And so the the full application of last week's sermon might have been just a little bit of a nicer glance as you look out of your car window at the person asking for money or something along those lines. But when it comes to difficult people, not the disenfranchised, just the difficult, right? This is something that we can't avoid. They're they're all around us, right? They may be at the grocery store. They may be uh, at, at the bank or... More likely, they're in your family, or there's somebody that you've been a friend with a really long time, and, and you just can't shake them because you have a conscience. Uh, and, and they may be in your church with you, you know. And and the weird thing about difficult people is, you just you can't get rid of them. I mean, uh, for example, if they're at the bank and you want money, you have to go see the difficult person, right? If you uh, want to continue to be a good family member, then you still have to show up at Thanksgiving. If you want, even if they're there, if you want to eat, you still have to go to the grocery store, even though that checkout guy's there that just, oh man, he is weird, right? Uh, and so difficult people are, are just really unavoidable. And so when we, when we look at, at today's passages of scripture, and there will be several of them, what we're going to see is that Jesus himself had to deal with difficult people. Now, I just want to kind of give you an idea of, of what I mean by a difficult person. You probably already know, right? You already got him locked down, and you're like, oh, Chaz is going to tell me I need to treat what's-his-name uh, better than I already do. But uh, but before we look at how Jesus treated a, a difficult person in his life, I think it's let's just really nail it down, right? Uh, the difficult person that I'm thinking of is, is the person that... Uh, that is in your family, and you're you're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner, and everybody's pretty happy, pretty festive, and then uh, just as you're about to eat, you're sitting there, and they bring up the most embarrassing moment of your life, right? And, and you just it wrecks everything. Or they bring up the family past. They say, "Hey, remember when that one thing happened?" Or they make some big announcement. I know I'm not married, but I'm pregnant. Uh, and everybody goes from being happy, and and all of a sudden it's it's no good anymore, right? Uh, that's one idea of a difficult person that I think of. The other the other kind of difficult person is just that 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 guy you know or that girl you know. And uh, let's say you're you're sitting with your coworker and you're having a meeting at Starbucks, and and they walk in, you try to keep your head down because you don't want to have to introduce them to your coworker. That's not going to work out very well. But they see you. And they don't care that you're in the middle of a meeting with a coworker, right? And so they, they just beeline it right to you, and, and now they're on you, and you've got to introduce this person, and so you begrudgingly introduce this person to your coworker, and, and they start blabbing about all their problems, and, and the conversation ends with them saying, I have this mole on my leg. Would you take a look at it to, to see if it's cancerous, right? You, you know these people, and it's like, what are you thinking? I, I can't believe I'm having to deal with this. Now, most of us know those types of people but we don't often think about the fact that Jesus also knew those types of people. And there was one guy in particular who was that guy for Jesus. Now you might think that, that when we're talking about difficult people in Jesus' life, we're, we're talking about people like the religious leaders. 
The religious leaders, though, were not really difficult people for Jesus. They were enemies to Jesus. They, they hated him. Uh, they were responsible for his death in some ways. They, they were constantly getting in the way of him doing his ministry by asking him difficult questions. They weren't difficult for Jesus, but they thought they were pretty tricky. And so you could see them as difficult people, but I would label them more as, as enemies because they genuinely hated Jesus. Most of the time, difficult people really like us. Uh, and that is one of the problems, right? Now, another group that you might think of is the crowd. And the crowd is difficult for Jesus. I mean, they're constantly pressing him around him, and they even prevent people from getting to Jesus. We we saw a story about a guy named Zacchaeus a few weeks ago, and Zacchaeus had to climb up in a tree to see Jesus because the crowd was in the way. Jesus was oftentimes... Uh, it oftentimes was difficult for him to find time to pray and to get away and spend time with God because the crowd always wanted to talk to him. But there's a couple things that doesn't make the crowd the best example of a difficult person for Jesus. First of all, the crowd is a crowd and not an individual. And usually uh, difficult people are individuals. And second of all, Jesus didn't spend consistent time with the majority of the crowd. He would enter a town. Lots of people would crowd around him. They would be annoying. Uh, I'm not saying Jesus was annoyed, but they were annoying to him. And then he would go to another town and find a new crowd. And so they don't fit the profile very well of a difficult person. But one guy named Peter fits the profile of a difficult person. Now, you may say, okay, I've heard of this guy named Peter. I don't think he could be the difficult guy in the Bible. I don't think he's the one that could have caused Jesus all of these problems because Peter is famous, and, and Peter did a lot of good things. I mean, Peter walked on water, so how difficult could he be really, right? I mean, Peter is, is the first leader of the church. That's a big deal. Peter wrote books in the Bible, Right? Peter uh, is one of Jesus' twelve disciples and one of the three disciples who get to go everywhere with Jesus. He's one of Jesus' best friends in the world. How could he be difficult? Well, let me just share some stories with you from the life of Peter. And in these stories, what I think we'll begin to see is that Peter fits the description of a difficult person very, very well. First of all, in Matthew 17, we, we read a story that is often referred to as the transfiguration. And in this story, Jesus has taken his three disciples up on a mountain with him. It's not like Mount Hood. It's more of a hill, you know. If you, if you get outside of Oregon and the northwest, then, then mountains become something different. They just look like hills. It's very, the Rockies are unimpressive to me. If you've ever seen them, you know what I mean. It's like, well, Mount Hood's bigger. Uh, and so anyway, so Jesus goes up on like one of the rocky kind of things, and, and he's up there with, with his disciples. And all of a sudden, he, he, he returns to his glorious state. Before Jesus left heaven to become a man and live on earth, he returns to that state. And he's, he's sitting up there and he's glowing and he's talking to Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah, two of the, the founders of, of the Jewish faith, two of the, the forefathers of the Jewish faith, two guys that were some of the most famous men in the entire nation of Israel. And they've been long deceased, but now... Amazingly, they're standing there, also glowing, I think. That's just my understanding. And they're glowing and they're talking to Jesus, right? And it's this crazy, crazy moment. And here's what Peter says. Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I mean, think about this moment right here. I mean, 
Falling down and worshiping Jesus would be good. Hiding because you're scared might be good. There's some dead guys. I, I mean, just being impressed and in awe, but not living conditions. Hey, Jesus, I know you've been talking to us for a, a couple of years now about all the great things that you have to do about how you need to die and be the savior of the world. And I know about the mission that you have on earth and how you're healing all these people. But I really like this moment right now. So here's my idea. I'll put up three tents. We can stay here, hang out on the mountain. It's a ridiculous thing to say. It's just dumb. This is what difficult people do. They say stupid things at stupid times. You know the people I'm talking about. They, they just they put their foot in their mouth, but most of the time they don't know that their foot is in their mouth, so they just keep talking, and it sounds about like this, oh, 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 like that, right? And it's very frustrating for the rest of us who are around. I mean, if I'm Jesus in that moment, I'm like, got to shut up. I'm talking to Elijah. You've heard about this guy, so just go over there and hide behind a tree. Jesus doesn't do that. We'll get to Jesus in a second. But if I was Jesus, which I'm not, thankfully, that's my response. Go away. You're, you're an idiot. Uh, like that, right? That's what would have happened. And so Jesus, uh, Peter fits the profile of a difficult person uh, because he, he says stupid things at, at stupid times times um another thing that we read about that makes peter a difficult person is it comes from john 18 and there uh jesus is telling his disciples that he must suffer and die and um peter james and john right after this have gone away and they've they've fallen asleep and uh and john 18 8 through 10 we read this jesus answered i told you i told you that i am he if you are looking for me then let these men go Sorry, I need to back up. Uh, let me just read this whole story to you, and it will make sense in a second. Uh, happened to you so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I, I have not lost one of those you gave me. Okay? He's talking to God. Then Simon Peter, who had his sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. So what I meant to say a second ago is that the situation is this. Jesus is about to be arrested and go suffer and die. And Peter should know that because Jesus has made that abundantly clear. Then we see this. What does Simon Peter do? He takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. I mean, if you think about this moment, he's getting in the way of the salvation of humanity. It, that's what Peter's goal is here. Jesus must die for the sins of the world, but Peter, out of his raw emotion, despite everything that he should have known, despite everything that Jesus had told him, just rips out his sword and cuts off the high priest's ear. Jesus goes on, uh, the high priest servant here, uh, Jesus goes on to heal that high priest. But, but when you look at this situation, it, it just is so reminiscent of, of somebody who is a difficult person. Because, first of all, difficult people usually act out of emotion. Right? I mean, we kind of know that. They don't look around and say, what's the logical choice for me to make? What's the right thing for me to do? Usually, they just make the emotionally feeling-driven choices in life. And what often happens because of that is difficult people find themselves creating difficult situations for other people, right? You know these people. They, they say, well, I, I got this great idea, and so I'm going to give all my money to this guy. And then their money's gone, and, and now they've put people in a bad situation. Now somebody has to bail them out. And so Peter shows us something about difficult people, that they act.
out of emotion, and when they act out of emotion, they usually create consequences that they themselves are unable to deal with. And a lot of times those consequences spill out into other people. Peter's consequences could have spilled out into everybody, right? Uh, I mean, everybody could have been affected. If Jesus would have said, yeah, war, let's do this, then none of us could be heaven-bound by accepting the gift of salvation that Jesus offered on the cross. Thankfully, most of the difficult people in our lives do not have that big of an effect, or nor can they have that big of an effect, but they still affect the people around them when they act out of emotion. In Matthew 14, we see another instance of Peter as a difficult person. This time he starts off really well, but, uh, but it's such a great story, I just want to read it to you. Matthew 14, 23-30. After he dismissed them, talking about Jesus, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone, and, about, and, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. There was waves, and because the wind was against it. But shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. This is Peter's good part right here. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, Peter's kind of a stud in this moment, right? So we can't, we can't harp on Peter too much. I mean, he did walk on water. How many of you have done that before? Uh, if you have, let's talk about it. That'd be a good story. But, but Peter is able to walk on water. But in this moment, he still reminds me of a difficult person because oftentimes difficult people get themselves into situations that they cannot get themselves out of. And then they look to you to bail them out of those situations. So not only do they create consequences for themselves and others, but oftentimes difficult people look to those around them to fix those situations for them. For Peter, it was sinking in this water. I mean, he got himself out there. It took a great act of faith, but he didn't really consider what the consequences might be when he got out there. And then he started to sink, and he needed somebody to bail him out. Jesus did that, uh, if you read the rest of the story. And so the question becomes, knowing that Peter was a difficult person, how is it that Jesus dealt with Peter? Because if we can learn how Jesus dealt with Peter, then we can know how to deal with the people in our lives who we deem difficult people. Before I say that, I just want to I want to tell you something that I found to be true and that is the difficult people around us that we see in our lives are usually people that are most open to hearing about Jesus and having a relationship with him. I think it's one of the reasons that Jesus picked Peter as a disciple. He knew that, that Peter, if, if he could be discipled, w- would be somebody that would jump wholeheartedly into that relationship because he was a difficult person. And so I believe that the consequences for you and I can be very good or very bad in, in our decision on how to treat the difficult people in our lives. I think that if we, who are Christians, say, well, I'm going to treat them like Jesus, then there's a really good chance that those people, too, will give their lives to Jesus. But if we push them aside and don't treat them like Jesus, then I think those people will be further from Jesus than maybe other people in society. And so with that in mind, let's look at how Jesus treats Peter. The first thing that we see about Jesus and his interaction with Peter is that he does interact 
with Peter. I just said that he chose Peter as one of his disciples. He is one of the 12 closest people to Jesus in the world. Jesus allows this guy to go everywhere with him. Jesus spends a great amount of time with Peter. You know what I'm about to say next. When we deal with difficult people in our lives, our response is usually the opposite, right? We do everything that we can do to avoid the people that we deem to be difficult. The people that are hard for us to be around, we push as far away from us as we can possibly push them. But Jesus' reaction seems to be opposite. He pulls Peter in. He goes to him and says, hey, I want to make you a fisher of men. And Peter says, cool, let's do it. And, and he becomes one of his disciples. And then he spends three years hanging out with him. Just about every single day of Jesus' ministry is spent with the person Peter. I really believe that if we are going to be like Jesus in our treatment of difficult people, then the first thing that we must do is stop avoiding them. We must be people who say, you're difficult. I'm going to find ways to spend time with you. I think that Jesus saw the need in Peter's life to be discipled. And so he, he approached him and he, and he came to him and he spent that time with him. And we must be like Jesus and say, wow, I see that you're difficult, but I see your need for a savior and I see your need for help in this world. And so I am going to reach out to you instead of pushing you away. If we're going to be like Jesus in our treatment of difficult people, then we must spend time with them. Another thing that we see uh, about Jesus is that he prays for Peter. There's a great story, um, or I mean, there's a great prayer in John 17, and it's actually called the greatest prayer ever by some people. And in that prayer, Jesus spends a whole chapter of Scripture praying for the well-being of his disciples. He prays for them and, and he just pours out his heart to God and says, Hey God, I just want you to be with these guys after I'm gone and help them live the lives that, that you want them to live. And, and we even see that, that Peter is prayed for specifically because uh, after, after Jesus has talked to Peter about his denial, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Satan is asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, another name for Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, I'm praying for you. If we're going to be like Jesus in our treatment of difficult people, then we must pray for those difficult people. But here's the problem. Oftentimes our prayer for difficult people, if we have those prayers, are more prayers for us. I found in a forum online, how I find all the material for my sermons, um, a prayer for difficult people. That's what I was Googling. And, and I found this. And I think the guy was serious. And he actually had a couple people agree with him wholeheartedly. Maybe you'll see the humor in it. I don't know. Uh, but, but I saw the humor and the sadness in it. But listen to this prayer. Because this is how I think we oftentimes pray for difficult people. It's really a prayer for us. Oh God, creator of difficult people, bless me with the strength. <laughs> it's already funny, right? <laughs> I didn't mean, I didn't think that was funny, but it is funny now that I look at it again. Oh God, creator of difficult people, bless me with the strength, fortitude, wisdom, and equanimity of spirit to deal with the difficult people you have placed in my life. 
grant me the ability to see the next disaster well enough in advance to dodge, divert, or otherwise disable it before it happens, or at least to minimize its ill effects. May my buttons be hidden from view so that your difficult people may not so easily press them the next time as they have done so very well of late. May you grant sufficient insight to your difficult people in order that they may come to understand speedily and in our day how truly difficult they are. (laughs) Knowing they would surely turn from their difficult ways were they possessed of even the slightest bit of self-awareness. Open the hearts of these, your difficult people, to feel compassion for the pain and stress which sometimes by their actions and oftentimes by their difficult demeanor they have caused in my life are causing in my life now, and without your divine intervention, seem inevitably ready to cause again. Open their eyes, O God, so that they may see the truth of the situation as you and I, O God, see it. That's the best line. As you and I, O God, see it. That I am not fundamentally an unhappy person, and that my unhappiness therefore rests with them, and with their O, capital O, so difficult, Ways And I think, I'm being honest, I think that this prayer was very serious. I think that they were saying this is how you need to pray for difficult people. But the truth is, when you read it, it's pretty clear that this guy was praying for himself, right? He's not praying for difficult people. He is praying for himself. And the truth is, while he claims that He and God see it the same way. It doesn't seem that Jesus did see it that way because Jesus didn't pray, God, you know, make this easy on me. He prayed that the difficult person in his life, Peter, would have the strength to live the life that God had called him to live. And so if you and I are going to be like Jesus, then we must not just pray that difficult people will disappear, that they'll become more of what we want them to be. We must pray that they will be growing and they will be coming more like God wants them to be, maybe through salvation or sanctification, but more like the person God wants them to be. What's, what's fascinating to me, and I, I can't scientifically or spiritually explain this to you, but, but it seems to me that when we pray for people, we feel a better connection to them. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus was able just to spend time with Peter and seem like he liked it most of the time is that he probably spent so much time in prayer for Peter that there was a great connection. So if you want difficult people to seem less difficult, don't pray that they'll seem less difficult. Pray for them and honestly care about them in your prayers. And I think that you'll find them more tolerable. The next thing that Jesus does for Peter is that he tells him the truth. And this might be the most difficult aspect of following Jesus for me. Because oftentimes uh, we feel like truth and love don't really go together. Like if I tell this person the truth about their life, then I'm going to hurt their feelings and and I'm not really being loving. But Ephesians 4.15 does tell us uh, that we can speak the truth in love. It's a possible thing to do. And the life of Jesus and his interaction with Peter shows that this is the case. Peter knew that Jesus loved him. There's no question about that throughout the entire New Testament. Peter understands Jesus' love for him maybe better than any person that has ever lived. But yet the things we see to Jesus in response to the stories that we have already told are pretty pretty straightforward. They are very truthful and they are probably very difficult for Jesus to say. Maybe not Jesus, but, but if I were Jesus again, they would have been difficult. For example, when when Peter cuts off the guard's ear... Jesus looks at Peter. He says, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the the cup the Father has given me? He looks at him. He says, put your sword away. You're preventing me from doing the will of God. 
You're preventing me from doing the things that I need to do. He's not mean, but he's straightforward with Peter. Or how about when Peter starts starts sinking into the water, right? I mean, that's a moment when I think, you know, I mean, difficult guy, he did a good thing. I'm going to let the bad thing slide. Who cares that he's sinking into the water? But that's not what happens. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He says, hey, Peter, I was right here. I was looking at you. I had you. You were standing on the water. Why did you start to do the wrong thing? Again, something that I would have found very difficult. I mean, a difficult person does something so grand as walk on water. I'm letting the next 12 mistakes go. But Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, you shouldn't have doubted in that moment. Or how about Jesus knowing that Peter is going to deny him? He knows it without a doubt that, that, that Peter, right before Jesus dies on a cross, in the most difficult moment of Jesus' life, Peter is going to deny knowing Jesus at all. He's going to say, yeah, I don't know who that guy is. I'm not his follower. I don't, you guys are crazy for even thinking that I had any interaction with this person. He knows that his best friend, one of his best friends, is going to deny him in that way. And he's a difficult person. It'd be easy for Jesus just to not tell him about it. Sure, it's going to happen. I don't need to talk to him about it. But look what he says to Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Looks at Peter and he tells him the truth. I think that like the prayers we pray for difficult people, oftentimes the words we say to difficult people are more about us and less about them. I think that we let our fear of what might happen if we tell them the truth stand in the way of us telling them the truth because we want them to move forward and be the person that God wants them to be. When we look at the interaction between Jesus and Peter, it's pretty clear that Jesus, despite his immense love for Peter, always told Peter the things that Peter needed to hear. And if we're going to deal with difficult people like Jesus did, then we must be willing to speak the truth out of our love for people, even if it's hard, even if that person gets mad at us, even if we don't get the response we want, we must still tell them the truth. The last thing that Jesus does with Peter is that he forgives him and he restores him. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole story. We're almost out of time. But in John 21, uh, we read uh, one of the most powerful stories in all the Bible. Jesus has died and he has risen again. And now he seeks out Peter. He knows that Peter has denied knowing him three times and that Peter wept bitterly and felt worse than he had ever felt in his whole life because he did that. And so almost immediately after Jesus rises, he, he seeks out Peter. And he goes to Peter and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he says this to Peter three times to coincide with the three times that, that Peter denied him. And, and, and in that moment, the, the message is clear. Peter, I understand that you love me and I forgive you for being a difficult person in my life. I forgive you for the wrongs that you have committed against me. Man, that's, it's just a crazy, beautiful story. Jesus is denied in the, the most difficult moment in the history of the world. Peter could have stood there and said, I'm his friend. Could have walked with him as, as he was being tortured and, and beat and, and mocked. But he, but he pushed him away. Difficult people do that, right? I mean, they're usually in the relationship for them and not for us. They... They get stuff from us, but they don't give stuff back, and they kind of leave us empty. 
It's easy for us just to want to go, man, you messed up one too many times. You caused me one too many problems. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he seeks out Peter and he says, I forgive you. And he restores their relationship. He restores it in such a way that Peter becomes the first leader of the church. Jesus' church. I mean, that's a crazy amount of forgiveness to say, hey, I am entrusting my church, my bride to you, despite the fact that you have wronged me in this way. If we're going to love difficult people the way Jesus did, if we're going to treat difficult people the way Jesus did, then we must be ready to forgive and restore the relationship as many times as that needs to happen. So let me just remind you of the four things if we're going to be like Jesus. We've got we to gotta spend time with difficult people if we're going to be like Jesus. And we have to pray for difficult people if we're going to be like Jesus. And we must speak the truth to difficult people if we're going to be like Jesus. And, and finally, we must restore those people. Now, if you, if you don't have any motivation, if you say, well, why? Well, here's the thing. You're a difficult person. I mean, I think we can honestly say that if somebody knew everything that went on inside of us, everything that we did in our lives, that, that we're just difficult. And Jesus looked down from heaven and he entered into our lives, prayed for us, and he spoke the truth and he left it for us in his word. And he offered us forgiveness on a cross. He went to a cross and he died for us so that our relationship to him that was severed by our sin and our difficulty could be restored. And he just reached down here and he said, I want a relationship with them so bad, even though they mess up all the time, even though they're so sinful and they do the things I tell them not to do and they make illogical decisions and they make emotional decisions and they, they say the wrong thing at the wrong time and they do things that I, I have to make up for in the consequences. I've got to fix things for them because while they walk on water one minute, they're sinking the next and I, I have to deal with all of that for them. But yet I love them so much, I'm going to give my life for them and die on a cross for them even though they've all denied me and they've all walked away from me. I'm going to die for them to save them from their sins so that we can have the relationship and I know they'll still be difficult, but I love them that much. And so if you want motivation to be like Jesus to difficult people, it's because you are a difficult person and he loved you anyway. And so you have no right to look at difficult people and say, I'm not going to treat you like Jesus, the perfect savior of the world, because he did it for you and he wasn't difficult. And so today I encourage you with that. I encourage you to say, hey, I need to be like Jesus because he was like this to me. And so I'm going to love the difficult people in my life by, by being around them by praying for them, by, by telling them the truth, even when that's hard on me, and for restoring our relationship, even though that can be very difficult and very hard. Jesus did that for us because he's so good, for, good to us and loves us so much. We need to respond and be like him. Will you pray with me? Lord, God, I thank you for, first of all, loving me, a difficult person. I mean... You don't have to be around me that long to know I'm difficult, God, and uh, and you've seen everything I've ever done, and you've known me, God, uh, even before I was born, you you knew me, and, and, and you know my thoughts, and you know my words, and you know my deeds, and yet you loved me enough to give your life for me, God, and uh, you're doing all four of those things for me, God, even even now, um, even in these moments, Lord, I, it's crazy, I mean, you 
every day you 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 call me to spend time with you and I'm so thankful for that and God every day you you are interceding on my behalf with your father Lord you you're praying for me in essence God and every day you are you are teaching me truth about myself even when I don't listen to you God and every day you're forgiving and restoring our relationship and so I am so thankful that you have chosen to be that good to me God to love me that much and I am so thankful that you love everybody here that much God and that you have treated all of these people in that way I ask Lord that that we would accept that gift of restoration and we would draw into a relationship with you Lord there's anybody in this room that has not given their lives to you, God, I pray that they would give their life to you and they would know, God, that you are the only one who can love them in all their difficulty perfectly, God, and that that love drew you to the cross. And for the rest of us, God, I pray that we would be impressed again by your goodness and your grace. We'd remember how difficult we truly are, but how much you love us anyway. And as a response to that, Lord, I pray that we would, would treat the difficult people of this world like you have treated us, God. We have no right not to, Lord, when we look at your grace and your mercy and your your love and your passion to have a relationship with us. Thank you for loving us, God, a difficult people, Lord. We love you because of that love that you gave us. Amen.